Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World, where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. And today I am joined by Joe Kinsella, president of TV Squared, now acquired by Innovid XP, a software company delivering cross-platform management for linear and connected TV. Joe aims to shape the future of TV advertising by bringing transparency and proof of performance to the forefront, labelling her a Wonder Woman of New York. Hi, Joe. Thanks for being this week's Tension Seeker. How are you doing? Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and some may say if my mum's here listening to this, she'll be like, yeah, she she was definitely an attention seeker. So <laughs> the story checks out. The story checks out. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Oh, well, it's a pleasure having you on. It's interesting that you're you're welcome to that, uh, that label of an attention seeker, though. So, so, some guests are, you know, f- are so proud of it, excited by it, and others kind of shy away saying oh yeah, no yeah. really <laughs> yeah I'm sure well uh would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners uh telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do at TV Squared yeah absolutely um so Joe Kinsella um I'm the president now of Innovid XP um I was the president of TV Squared but we were bought by uh Innovid back in March this year it's been crazy um I am a Brit uh, but I do live in the United States, been here for coming up on year 16, which absolutely blows my mind. And um, basically, we have, we started TV Squared 10 years ago. Uh, we literally just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. And we are so excited to now be part of the Innovid family. Um, and we've launched together Innovid XP, which is a single unified platform for measurement and attribution and outcomes for all things TV, video, mobile, you name it, but actually really powered by Innovid's amazing ad serving business. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, as our attention seeker this week, I firstly want to get to know what's been getting your attention recently. What's getting my attention? I mean, measurement um, of cross-platform television is everywhere. And I think, you know, even though COVID feels like it's in the rearview mirror now, the proliferation of streaming platforms while we were all sitting at home... um, has really kind of thrown CTV into the forefront. So we're now measuring CTV and linear together um, and also digital video. And every, you know, not a week goes by that there's not an article written about measurement and who's working with who uh, and who's getting the best insights. Um, and it really is a global opportunity Um, It's happening at scale today. And I think we've seen an awful lot of fragmentation across the marketplace over the last few years. And I think we're now starting to see that it's going to consolidate over the next 12 to 18 months. So it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out. But certainly the need for unbiased cross-platform TV measurement 
has never been greater. You know, it's exciting. There's a huge opportunity. Certainly in the US, there's only ever been, um, you know, one real measurement company. And now there's so many other measurement companies, you know, there's an opportunity for us to do better for the advertiser. Absolutely. And I wanted to talk about, you just mentioned about, you know, CTV and Lint versus Linear and how, uh, you know, it's been massively growing recently, especially since the pandemic. And with CTV getting bigger and bigger as it is continue, going to continue to do, what does this mean for Linear? Is there going to be any anything that they need to, it needs to look out for? I think it's about, so I get asked that question a lot. And, and I guess when I look at, you know, the total addressable market and I look at what's spent on CTV versus what's spent on linear, you know, we're talking, yes, it's growing and yes, it's growing quickly and we can't take anything away from that. And it, we're, we're definitely moving to that streaming world where you've got to be able to watch from any device, you know, anywhere in the world that you may be. But I don't think it takes away from the the foundation that is linear. So if we look at you know e-marketer numbers, we could we could arguably say you know two hundred billion, two hundred and ten billion ish. Twenty one billion of that is CTV. So that's still a massive you know, a massive, massive chunk is linear. And even though we're moving towards this converged TV ecosystem, um, there's still there's still going to be linear for a, you know, I mean, people are kind of making bets, you know, is it going to be five years? Is it going to be 10 years? But um, I think the, certainly when we move into, you know, there's been a lot of market volatility this year um, and we've seen people go, they, they kind of, you know, that, they're human beings, right? So we revert to what's comfortable and what feels safe. And we're still getting so many clients trying CTV, but we're still getting a lot of clients that are very comfortable with what they know in linear. That being said, you know, I would say that 2020 felt like the year of like test and learn. Like we're going to try CTV. We're going to see how it performs for us. We're going to start moving some inventory from linear into CTV. And now we're really getting people just buying everything. So the whole inventory mix has linear and CTV in it. Um, it's very rare now that we come across linear only. That being said, you know, I think there's still a place for it. And I think certainly um, we see performance brands using um, heavy CTV and then they realize that in order to get the reach um, that other brands get, they do have to try linear. So again, your opening gambit was all about, you know, it's all about the attention and it's all about converting that attention into an action. So that's the way we think about it is who was watching? Did they take an action? Did that result in a purchase or an app download or some kind of digital action? And I think the future is going to tie us one step further, which is going to be what was the outcome? Right. So it's great that like you're getting attention, but ultimately, how does that translate in the customer journey to return on investment? And that's what we've been focused on. Thank you. Absolutely. And before we move on with the podcast, you know, you you said earlier you are a self-professed attention seeker. So I want to know how much of an attention seeker you are. And can you tell us a time that you've done something ludicrous, unnecessary or even completely necessary for attention? 
It's a good job my best friends aren't here. That's all I'm going to say. Good job. <laughs> I'm sure they'll tell a far worse well, story. Well, they'll, they'll, tell some, they'll tell some stories. One of the things that I, I didn't necessarily do for attention, but it was something that I needed to prove to myself, um, was I wanted something, I wanted to do something special the year I turned 40. So I decided to do a full Ironman in Lake Placid. Uh, which is a 140.6 mile triathlon, um, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride and a 26.2 mile marathon. And you have to complete it in under 17 hours or you get kicked off the course. And I completed it in 14 hours and 20 minutes. I then went on to have two heart surgeries the following year. (laughs) So some may argue that endurance athletes you know, it's, it's not good for the health, <laughs> but I will tell you as you cross that finish line and he says, Joe Kinsella, you are an Iron Man. It's, um, it's a moment in time for sure. I so can imagine. attention, attention seeker. Yes. Uh, you know, I was, I was part of the generation that wanted to, had to prove, and I, I started my career on wall street, had to prove that women could do what men could do. And it wasn't just about showing up um, at work and having integrity and being able to hold conversations and be a senior executive, um, regardless of the fact that I was female and, and they were male. But Iron Man for me was like, oh, I, I see what's going on here. Let, let's give it a try. So training was 40 hours a week. Um, as well as working 40 hours a week. So we just started TV Square. It's completely nuts. And, um, yeah, it's nuts. I, can't, I don't know idea. if you're an attention seeker or just complete maniac, because I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you see, some people have mentioned that. My daughter was, what, my daughter was three, three years old. So, so it was like, you know, I was a mom, I was starting a company, I was a consultant, and I was training 40 hours a week. And some may say... You know, when I look at it now, yeah, it was definitely crazy. Um, but it got me to where I am. And, you know, I tell I tell my daughter all the time, you just turned 13. Um, you got to enjoy the journey. It's not about the final destination. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> Completely nuts, but incredible. But I mean, so you, you're clearly... A, you know, a, a boss woman in the industry. You're, you're, you were labelled, what was it? A, um, a Wonder Woman of New York. How have you found it being a woman in this industry? Have you come across uh, challenges and struggles? And do you think it's a different place now? Um, I think we've still got a, a long way to go. So I, I will say that ad tech and, and advertising generally is still a male-dominated industry. There is definitely more women than there is in fintech, which is where I came from. Um And I think we're getting better as a human race um, in lifting each other up. I think, you know, there's definitely more collaboration. Um, You know, that being said, I I did actually do the um, IAB annual leadership meeting a couple of years ago before we went into COVID. I did a diversity and equity and inclusion presentation and it was standing room only. And I was very happy to see that the room was probably more filled with men than it was with women. And they were asking for help. How do we do a better job of making sure that we have policies in place 
for um, better recruitment. And when I started looking at this, you know, 75% of my leadership team at TV Squared were women um, before we got acquired by Innovid. Innovid has a very strong female um, representation on their their uh, leadership team as well. But I want to take it far beyond that, right? When we look at closing the gender gap, we look at um, different uh, inviting different employment policies into the workplace now that you can be anywhere and be successful in your job. You know, one of the things that COVID proved was that we can work remotely and collaboration's hard and, and setting a culture is hard when you're on a screen. But you know what? It, it gives people a chance who perhaps had had to stay home and couldn't commute because they were in some way physically um, held back or they had to take care of somebody at home and they couldn't leave the house. Like what this does is it now opens up to a world of opportunity when it comes to employment. Um, and I just want to create a safe space for anybody that um, wants to come on an employment journey and feel valued. And that became really important to me over the last few years. And I'm raising a I'm raising a redheaded Leo girl in the state of New Jersey, uh, which for any any UK listeners, you know, is terrifying uh, in and of itself. So I'm I'm trying to set the next generation up for success. And if you think that many managers, um, you know, in five years are going to be millennials. So they come to the workplace with a very different view on not only how they should be treated, but how everyone should be treated. And I think we've got a lot to learn from the next generations and the generations to come. And we need to be open for that and hold space for that. It's an, it's an exciting time, as you say. I mean, you know, especially since COVID, you, like you said, yeah. it's more inclusive for everyone. Um, yeah. And yeah, I and mean, we've come such a long way, but yeah, it's looking forward to there's a, there's, what more to, to go. Yeah, exactly. There's still a ways to go. <laughs> We've moved to the uh, main section of this podcast, which is all about ratings. And I've asked you to bring something that is overrated and underrated in our industry. So if you'd like to start um, by talking about something that you think is overrated in our industry at the moment. This might sound a little bit harsh, but it comes from a it comes from a place of good intention. I think there's a lot of noise in the industry. Um, And I think it gets too much attention, right? I'm all about taking action, rolling my sleeves up, getting stuff done, basically. And I think there's a lot of people in the industry um, that perhaps don't want change, right? Like change is, is scary for some people. And when we think about this in the context of measurement, um, especially in the US, and I think, I think to an extent in the UK as well, um, you know, everyone's been used to TV ratings and I know we're not using ratings in that context, but everyone's been used to TV ratings being a certain way. And, you know, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, well, let's just carry on, you know, doing it the way that we've been doing it. But it's actually at the expense of the advertiser which means that ultimately in the long run, they're going to start moving money away from our industry and they're going to put more into digital, which ultimately harms all of us, right? So everyone needs to be invested in kind of committing to the future and 
not letting the noise take over and just saying, you know what, we're just going to keep focused on moving the industry forward. And I would say inertia is real, right? And it's got in the way of progress for a long time. And now like the, actually the advertiser has said enough is enough. We need to be able to measure this stuff properly. And, um, you know, we're not doing a very good job of it. So let's, you know, let's do something different. What we've seen over and over again, first with TV squared and now with Innovid XP is that when you can prove that TV advertising is working, advertisers spend more money. No question. So the more media dollars that we get into, back into the industry, back into advertising, the better shows we can create, the better content we can create, the better ads we can make, the better creatives we can make. And and one of the things that, you know, I work with a lot of the big broadcast partners like Sky and ITV and in the UK and NBC Universal and Comcast and Fox in the US And I say to them, I'm like, guys, you're brilliant at making content, like stay focused on making those shows that take our breath away and let us deal with platforms and IT and systems and processes and measurement at scale and attribution and outcomes and ultimately viewership and audiences. And then, hey, take that one step further to attention, right? And outcomes. And I think... Sometimes we hold ourselves back because we talk more than we act. And I think that's one of the things that's overrated in the industry is that, you know, it gets too much attention and then we become paralyzed. Um, and, you know, we keep having conferences and talking about it and doing tests rather than saying, there's a bunch of advertisers here that have been doing it this way for years. Let's learn from them. I mean, absolutely. It's it's moving at such a fast pace, this industry. If you're not perceptive to change, if you're not going to be adaptable, you're going to be stuck in the past for so long. It's I think it's an impossible way to behave, surely. When you say it that way, it's so obvious. But I just think that there are there are people in the industry and there are processes and there are also like really old technology that to change it is you know, a heavy lift. And I think we've just got to get comfortable and go, well, heavy lift it is. We've got to grow some muscles and get strong and just get on with it. What do you think is underrated and needs to be given more attention? Education, a thousand percent. I don't, and and again, like these two, they work in parallel because the noise takes over and people don't realize how much of this exists already and has been being done for years. So I I actually wrote down, um, you know, the noise drowns out the ability for people to learn. And, you know, me, and what I mean by that is people are misguided by the noise. Solutions are available today. They've been available for years now. Marketers are using cross-platform to optimize inventory. And we've got advertisers that are killing it. While the rest of the industry is like still trying to figure it out. And they're talking about it and they're taking months to do tests or even years in some cases. And some of them aren't driving value. So, you know, again, I encourage just jump in. The water is warm. We've been doing this for years. 
um, and trust the process. And, and I think that then ties into what another item that is underrated, which is collaboration. And um, we've, we've embarked over the last five years on some amazing partnerships that have not only driven our business to grow and change and be curious, but it's forced our, our partner to be brave. And I think when you've got that combination of brave and curious, you're only going to be successful. And so what do you think then, you know, that brands are or advertisers are being slow to jump into this warm water, as you're saying, what's holding them back? I think some of the brands just don't know what's available now. I think the brands in some cases are very dependent on the agency and the agency, to be fair to the agency, is being inundated with new vendors, new um, ways of counting, new ways of ascribing value, different device types. What's your identity strategy? You know, they're dealing with like this elastic band ball of like, oh my God, where do I turn to next? So they're probably, they're not necessarily sitting with the brand going, okay, let's try this. Like, let's, you know, like, like it's hard for them to keep up, which is why I say a third party measurement platform that's global, that has all of these tags um, integrations done already. No pixel tags need to be deployed. It's all already set up. Just, you know, work with an objective third party that can see, that can see walled gardens as well. And that way you get this full picture of how all of your television is working, regardless of platform, regardless of device type. And I think that has to be the future. <laughs> As this week's performer, I, mean, I want to find a bit about your best practice, uh, you know, the most exciting project that you've worked on and how you got other people's attention. Taking a company from six employees to, so there was, let's tell this story a little bit better. 10 years ago, there was, uh, <laughs> there was six, six men in a, in a, in a cupboard in Edinburgh sounds so ridiculous there were six Where's this blokes, going? <laughs> there were six blokes in somebody's kitchen in edinburgh 10 years ago going you know what uh wouldn't it be good if we could measure the effectiveness of television and other people going don't be ridiculous you've never been able to measure tv um it's just it's art it's not science right and my um colleagues who are some of the most smart, amazing people I've ever worked with. Um, we, we became like the founding team of TV Squared. And I was the only American employee, uh, or I was the only employee, employee in America because I'm British and they're all Scottish. And I would sit in my basement and I would cold call brands like Expedia uh, and say, we're an attribution platform. We can measure the effectiveness of your television. So the most exciting project I've ever worked on is, you know, I have one child and arguably this was my second. Okay. So, so, you know, Ooh, and I how, how does your Leo redhead in New Jersey feel about that? <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's growing up to be the, I'm like, what do you want to be when you get older? And she's like, I want to do something completely different to what you did, mom. <laughs> um, so 
actually getting TV Squared, working with an amazing team, building the company to 130 people, um, uh, building a culture of support and encouragement and, and bravery and courage, and then actually finalizing the acquisition of the company to Innovid in February of this year was the start of the next chapter, but it was the end of that, of the TV squared journey. So, you know, it was literally like a couple of weeks ago, my daughter turned 13 and then TV squared turned 10. Um, and it was, it was just a, a, a very, it was a big moment in, in my life. So, so certainly that's probably, you know, when you, when you grow a company's revenue and then you see it, you see it acquired, it is not for the faint-hearted. I would say that was my second Ironman. Really? <laughs> Which one would you do again? Probably, you know, I, I got to the top of my sport game and I got to the top of my professional uh, game when, when, when we, acquired, we got TV Squared acquired. And, and I'm happy if I never do either again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. old enough and wise enough uh, to know um, what they take out of you physically and mentally. So, but it was a it was an, an outstanding moment, and it's kudos to just the most amazing team of people that I've ever had the fortunate opportunity to work with at TV Squared, and uh, now great to be part of Innovid. Well, I congratulate you on those achievements because they are incredible. But Thank you. I'm there's a box you've left unchecked. I'm afraid you've you've you know your fitness uh, goal that has been ticked. Your professional career has blown the charts, but the attention seekers resell me a pen challenge has yet to be attempted by you. So this <laughs> might be your biggest challenge yet. I don't know. Um, so yeah, this is our resell me a pen challenge where we have set you an old fashioned, outdated item and asked you to remarket it in today's world, uh, with to today's audience with ideally a performance marketing strategy. And this is going to be graded. So there is gold to be won. <laughs> and we have set you a horse and cart. So whenever you're ready, Joe, resell me a horse and cart. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. So, so arguably one could compare the horse and cart to the old days of television. Could we not? I mean, if you think about the black and white TV and you think about the VCR, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities there. However, um, okay. So it's sustainable it's beautiful. I mean, the look of this, you know, you're going to see it and it's going to get your attention. And let's not forget, it is an eco-friendly form of transportation. Goodbye carbon emissions from cars. Who needs Tesla when you have horse and cart? Um, things are killing our environment. This is not going to kill our environment. Um, it forces people to slow down. We've all learned the benefit of slowing down and taking a little bit more balance in our lives. This empowers us to go outside. It empowers us to breathe fresh air and be present. It makes cities more livable with less cars. Um, let's face it, 
London um, is trying to limit cars. Cities like Oslo and Paris are already limiting cars. Of course, this would all be done in a highly regulated way to ensure the welfare of the animals, something that is a rite of passage um, for anybody that truly wants to understand the history of the horse and cart. Um, Maggie Smith is the actress that I either want to be in my next life or I want to be her when I'm 70 years old because Maggie Smith, who was also in Harry Potter as McGonagall, um, played the Dowager Countess of Grantham as Violet Crawley in Downton Abbey. And if anyone wants to understand the value and the absolute unprecedented beauty of the horse and cart, they should tune into Downton Abbey and get a view into the sheer beauty and giant sarcasm that comes with historical England. Wow. Well, whoever thought you could be empowered by a horse and cart? Uh, that's something I've definitely learned today. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, um, I, I can mean, sell ice to Eskimos. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, you've you put putting Maggie Smith in there. That's uh, that's 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 almost cheating. No it's it's nostalgia. That, 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 that it's gives... nostalgia. You see, it gives you that warm feeling, and you're like, yes, maybe I. It does. That does definitely scores you oh, higher. Yeah. Although, although. I didn't. I didn't see a strong performance marketing strategy here. I'm afraid, as much as the sales pitch I thought was uh, unbeatable to some people, I missed the performance marketing <laughs> angle. So, I mean, as, as surprise, I'm going to be as surprised as you when I say this. But I think the Iron Man and founding your own business might might top the achievement that was done today. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think we could put. I mean, remember, America is still the only country in the world that still puts phone numbers in its ads. So I had this kind of cheesy idea where we would put, you know, a beautiful horse and cart on the screen and it'd be like, dial this number to order your cart now and text this number to get your horse to show up. And I was like, no, it's going to get all sorts of bad press if I say that. <laughs> so forgive me on the on, on pushing the performance marketing too hard. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the world that we live in. All right. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm afraid, I'm, I don't think you're going to like it. I'm going to give you a six, I think. That's brutal. That's tough grading right there. I've, well, I've got to be, I've got to be. That's private school grading right there. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, th I mean, I, I mean, the horse and cart, Maggie Smith. What a great way to end this episode! Thank you so much for coming on. I hope we have satisfied your attention-seeking desires, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies, and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website performancemarketingworld.com and don't forget to look out on our socials which are linked on the site and in this episode's description to send in suggestions for next time's resell me a pen challenge thank you for listening and i look forward to you joining me next time 